The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Bill Gormley. Bill is the president of the Gormley Group. He also serves as the chairman of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Um, and this is when I like our quarterly checkup with Bill just on what's going on in the schedules marketplace, what he's seeing, um, and what are some of the key trends. And Bill, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. Good to see you. Thank you, Roger. Good, uh, good, to, good to be with you here and look forward to our discussion today. Right. Well, thanks. And, um, well, we'll, we'll start with the topic <laughs> I started with sort of the big picture and we can drill down. And as you would say, Bill, get into the boiler room at some point. We will point. get the boiler room. Oh, yeah. yeah. We will get yeah. the boiler room. All right. Okay. So, so key trends in MES contracting, you know, what are you seeing right now? I think, well, uh, we have we could have a whole program just on that topic alone. So I'll try and narrow it. To, I think what some of the listeners would more be interested in, or at least want to note. A couple. One is that, you know, the, the schedule sales grew last year. Uh, by a billion dollars so you know it's, it was 39 the year before 21 and it's it's uh you know 2022 was 40 billion so i mean that there's a sign there of, of growth for the program you know the attractiveness of it um and then the uh i'm always intrigued about blanket purchase agreements and they uh, they actually went up four uh, percent uh, so they're actually it's 53% of this whole schedule sales program is or by under BPAs now. So for the listeners who uh, aren't that familiar with BPAs, uh, I can assure you that uh, you know your competitors uh, are and, uh, and I think the result that they've increased four, uh, four points that, that's moving the needle. And I think that's kind of where the customers now feel very comfortable in setting up, you know, long-term relationships, whether through single uh, or BPAs or multiple word BPAs. And so I think that's a good thing. That streamlines the, the objective of the whole program was to streamline the ability to get what you need, you know, when you need it, so you can place the order a lot easier. So I think that's clearly uh, grabbed the attention of the customer and from industry standpoint as well. So Bill, that's kind of, it's, that's, um, that's a great data point now over 50%. 53% yeah. of the uh, total sales or purchases are through BPAs. And that's, um, you know, to me that like, I just think back about when that whole BPA process was created um, in the, uh, in the, in the schedules program. I mean, you were the one yeah. that were there, was there doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's like, what the heck is going on here? We're going to have BPAs on contracts and schedules and that sort of thing. And yeah. um, it kind of, you know, I hate to say it's validated, but um, Bill, it seems to me hey, that, that the, the whole thing has been validated. I'm, I don't want to give you too many kudos, <laughs> but, the idea, but the idea of being able to leverage requirements through a BPA to get a better yeah. deal, to enhance competition, you know, you know, there are a lot of naysayers at the time. 
you know, but it's it's come to fruition that you see 53% of the dollars going through BPAs. So I think with, with the two two data points here, sales and BPAs, the total sales of the program and the BPAs, we call that the, the, the C-suite conversation, right? So you go to the boiler room where, where it's actually, yeah, it's, yeah, the contracts are actually made. You know, I think there's some trends we're seeing is that, you know, GSA is putting a tremendous interest on, on the pricing side, which they should. You and I know that. I mean, price is not, you know, is not irrelevant here. It's a key component of the program. Having said that, I think the the pricing that models are using, you know, their 4P program, Roger, which is uh, data that that's, uh, covers existing contracts or previous um, contract uh listings of prices is outdated for the is is out it's outdated in many cases i'm not going to say in all cases but the contracting officers are using that 4p data when a new offer comes in um and and they're bouncing that the new offer pricing against the 4pl which in some cases doesn't have inflation or is just outdated and they're just they're trying to just negotiate things you know pricing below pre-inflation I mean, so this is where there's a lot of struggle right now, to be honest with you. And I think that for some reason, and I can't get my yeah, my finger on it, but the objective of fair and reasonable price is how the program is set up. And it's like, almost like it's a negotiation of, of the contracting officers. Like, you, listen, you have to be, you know, at, at the lowest price of 4P or or maybe in between the high price, but you know that there there's a huge fluctuation there, a lot of lot of inconsistency. I think the pricing is an area that would be of great benefit for GSA to look into. Have some time, man. You and I recognize the value of pricing, but there's also just a recognition of fair and reasonable is what the program is about. And then, you know, as the BPAs would indicate, you know, when people have requirements. They'll, they'll get a better deal there. And I think that's the program is a vehicle to be used by the government. And I think it's being a lot of difficulty there. And, you know, and it, not that it doesn't hurt all sizes of businesses, but it particularly hurts a lot of the small businesses now. You know, we have people who, who won't go in the program because it's just getting too complicated. Yeah, I mean, I think there's actually an opportunity to simplify things yeah. uh, moving forward, you know, whether it's, you know, the data that's being collected and how to effectively and efficiently and use it in a sound manner. Because um, and, and, it seems to me as like, what, what, perhaps what we got, and I'll get your reaction to this, you know, fair and reasonable pricing is, you know, that's, it's exactly what it says. Is, is, and there's a whole set of considerations in coming to that. It's not LPTA, you know, regardless of the circumstances. And, you know, I think there's still too many folks in the with who are looking at an unreasonable position of LPTA, you know, at a contract level price, not taking into consideration the terms and conditions. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, that that's, I mean, I think hopefully GSA can get back to when we can maybe talk about some other topics here that'll tie into uh, fair and reasonable pricing as well. But I think that's that's a key component. I think hopefully GSA could focus on that and have consistency among its uh, contracting programs. Right. And back on the sales for a second, I, I you know, I, I presumably 
because I haven't looked at them yet, you know, but the, yeah. the, that DOD remains the biggest yeah. customer of GSA driving yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, they are still. Yeah. And they're always going to be basically. But I think, right. I think I think you're starting to see more. Um, I mean, the whole contracting process, acquisition and government, you know, I mean, you, you know me well enough tonight. I get a brain freeze when I hear streamline. But um, <laughs> I think some people should be looking at acquisition as the ability to streamline it. And I know a lot's been laid on the, throughout contracting, not just the schedules on security as, as it should be. And you know, we have the China the things and, you know, the Buy American and all that stuff's being looked at or emphasized more. So there's a significant amount of changes right now. And I think simplicity should be looked at as part of that or over all of that to where, where, where they can make things easier in other areas to offset those additional requirements. Yeah. Well, there's power and simplicity. I think someone said that one time, perhaps, <laughs> maybe. I don't know who, who that would be, but there's power and some. I think simplicity. you just did it again. Yeah, right. I did it again. Yes. Um, but um, and, and get, speaking of simplicity and a way forward, like when we come back, let's talk a bit more about um, 4P, just they're expanding the data collection to incur include, uh, as I understand it, TDR data, as well as just commercial, just general commercial information about, out there, which is not a bad thing, but there's context to it too. And you have to remember that. And just also just talk about where, where TDR is amongst the key trends in the MS program. My guest sure. today is Bill Gormley. He is the president of the Gormley Group. He also serves as the Chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Walder, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder, and my guest today is Bill Gormley. Bill is the president of the Gormley Group. He also serves as the chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And, Bill, uh, at the break, we were you talked about simplicity and, you know, and some of the some of the challenges or the interesting complexity that's been sort of layered in terms of um, where the schedules are going a little bit. But um, I know the 4P program, which is that pricing platform um, that GSA uses, um, is going to expand or has expanded to include scraping like commercial, public commercial sites and pricing for product there, as well as it's the plan is to incorporate uh, transactional data reporting data from um, task orders. Um, you know, so so what is the status of that, and from your perspective, and what what are some of the key considerations or things we all need to think about as that kind of evolves? Well, I think I think for P, it, it, it's interesting where government wants to go to a database and uh, look at data that's to your point is. Uh, is obtained both from a commercial standpoint as well as uh, schedule contract holders. And so, but I, I think what what is something they have to be careful on is that you know what's the age of the data? The market moves pretty quickly, and uh, you know as a most recent example, uh, you know with the inflation factor that that's facing industry over the past couple of years anyway is is um, has had an impact on on four P because that. 4P is lagging in that area, and and for companies, their the prices that when they make an offer or want to add a modification at products, sometimes the, the contracting officer or the contract specialists are 
referring to 4P, and that's that's sometimes at cost or below cost of what what the products. And there's there's really very little consideration of that. And and in some cases where the company is asking to add, add products that uh, which they haven't sold yet because they're adding them, and they're asked to provide. You know, in some cases, up to ten invoices for each item, and but their new items are bringing in. So, I think some of this is just. I think uh, maybe we can get into some of this later. But so, I think some so, of this is just the, the consistency of, of implementing policy and and using business acumen to understand what fair and reasonable prices. Yeah, and and it's interesting when you mention the idea like you've got a new product, you want to bring it onto the schedules. I mean, I know you again. Let's not get go back in yeah. time and history, but there used to be the new inter introductory item schedule yep. that oh, yeah. provided greater flexibility for people to add products that were just coming to market. Right. Well, those products that are just coming to market, they fall within the definition of commercial item, right? Right. And this is the schedules are a commercial item contracting program, but here the contracting folks are creating barriers to commercial products by asking for data that prob that doesn't necessarily exist yet. Correct. And not looking to other avenues, reasonable avenues to negotiate that price. That just just doesn't make sense. (laughs) That's why we're in the the boiler room. We got to figure it out. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, that's um, definitely something I think, I guess, uh, you know, you know, um, GSA could take a look at in terms of how, uh, and I know we're going to talk in a later segment about the care and feeding of the acquisition workforce and how important that is, but just, you know, here's some here tidbits on terms of training and focus. And because in a certain sense, that approach is inconsistent with the whole idea of access to the commercial market, which these days the government is focusing on more and more. And like, why aren't people doing business with the government? Um, yeah, I mean, we, have, we have some, you know, there's there's parts of industry. Yeah, you know, I'm sure as you know, and hopefully our listeners are aware of it. You know, particularly on the you know on the internet side, if they're doing business, and some of them are changing prices. I mean, it, it's like the stock market. I mean, it is just all day long they're changing their prices. There's no way, and and it shouldn't be expected, but no way the government's going to be able to keep up with that in a database. I mean, there's just <laughs> it's just there's just no way. And so I think this is where. 4P can serve a purpose as maybe a, a benchmark or a, a base to look at. Um, and then I think getting back to what the company does and how they sell and what their arrangements are is, is kind of you know, what you were talking about a little bit. Try to have that discussion and the, 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 the fact that negotiations as one would feel would occur are not happening there's a decrease in negotiations and more of a matter of fact, this is what I want. If you don't give it to me, then you're not going to get on board. And that, that puts a contractor in a bind and even pushing back, you know, sometimes we're able to change that, but that's, that's after you provide a lot of, a lot of information and getting the contracting officer, you know, it's time to listen and understand the circumstances of, of why you're asking for what you're asking or what you're offering, I should say. Yeah, I just and does that go to give me what you know? Either give me what what I you know assess your price should be, or you're gone. Is it is that that whole issue of like there's some an appreciation of what 
really fair and reasonable pricing is under the circumstances of you have to be do it in context of where you are in the market and where the schedules program is right not it's not this is not a mandatory requirements contract where government's right. going to buy everything right right you know right. so you know you've got a you know quantity of x million you know that you're going to be buying this is a opportunity to compete and you know the bpas people leverage at that level not necessarily at the contract yeah. level so i i think bank but i something we should all be concerned about is not trying to fit all companies in the same model of negotiation or pricing that then you take away the creativity you take away the attractiveness of dealing with a commercial entity as much as they can be commercial and still be a government contract still a lot of government requirements that government lays lays on a company that are beyond what they do commercially so there's a cost incurred for that and really it's very difficult to get a lot of contracting officers to even recognize that. They yeah. have to, I think some of them just say, but it's a cost of doing business with the government. And, that, and it will come back. Well, that's right. There is a cost of doing business with the government. So that's, There is that's, a cost. <laughs> and the problem the government gets into is that cost is too high. Well, right? uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fair. That's the yeah. issue, right? And the you know, people forget that the government, in the when it enters – it's entering the you know the commercial world as a buyer as a commercial entity that's the whole you know underlying the procurement system right you're buying and selling and that sort of thing and when you do that you have to understand you're competing to be a good customer just like everybody else in the private sector is right and so why is it attractive to do business with you um and you know i think that's something that gets I think missed over time, right? When you say it's like my way or the highway. Um, yeah. So, Bill, you know what? We're we got about a minute left, and maybe we can start a, a little bit on transactional data reporting. Um, yeah. So, there's a couple issues there. Number one, it is going to be expanded. So, I think transactional data is going to be reported into uh, 4P. You know, for that price analysis. So, you're looking at task order pricing versus contract pricing. And then the other thing is, you know, the expansion of TDR as an option across all contracts. So there's two big issues. Um, so why don't you start with four, since we talked about 4P, you could talk about, you know, this, you know, incorporating this information into 4P and what considerations should be looked at for that. For TDR? Yes. Well, uh, yeah. first off, first off, it would be nice to know when TDR is going is going to be opened up. I think it's been uh, keeps sliding. I think it was supposed to be by uh, somebody wanted it by end of last fiscal year, then the end of the calendar year. And now we're, you know, almost at the end of Q1 for 23. And I think there was, I think you had, a, you had an event like last week where someone actually, which was good, put out there that they felt it was going to happen by May, I believe it was. And then, uh, then someone else indicated in a separate session in a whole different area, different area that was going to happen, you know, like sometime this year. So from an industry standpoint, you know, it'd be good. It'd be good just to have kind of know when that's going to occur so people can prepare for it. And that, I think that's where the, I think there's not being a consideration. I know there's a lot, I'm sure there's, I don't know how much, but I, there's a lot that's being done in order to justify TDR based on an, some internal government, you know, disagreement, but you know, disagreement isn't all bad. You just, you just have to work through it and proceed. So I think that's going to save 
this has an opportunity to say the government a lot of time and money, but I know, I know you say we're almost up, so we can get into this more so. Sure, we should. Uh, Thank you, Bill. You've managed the break well (laughs) there. So, yes, we do. So when we come back, we'll continue talking about TDR. We'll probably we'll start talking a little about maybe the program management office and its role, as well as the acquisition workforce. My uh, my guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group and chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Walder, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the president of Gormley Group. He also serves as a chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Um, and Bill, we're when we took the break, which you so you know, yeah, thoughtfully, thoughtfully, <laughs> you know, stopped and said it's time for a break, and I appreciate that. So, but um, uh, TDR, we were talking about TDR. Um, can you just and, and the fact that TDR, which is transactional data, task order, delivery order, pricing information, is going to be incorporated in 4PE. And you mentioned the expansion or not, um, which, you know, I think people are in favor of the expansion overall. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about where things are yeah. stand? Yeah, TDR, to your point, TDR is transactional data uh, reporting. So I'm sure people... Your viewers are aware of it, but they're not. And it's basically, you know, the idea here, the GSA has been, been uh, piloting this for, I guess, five years or so by now. And on, on, a, on a small sector of the of the uh, schedules program and has seen the benefits uh, helping, you know, small business as well as, you know, having uh, the pricing, the, the visibility of, of uh, pricing, which GSA hasn't had before. And that was at the task order level. And I think that'll give a lot of value to the relevance of pricing as you can as you compare a fair and reasonable price to make an award. And then you have a task order price, which is actually the end result of a competitive, you know, um, RFQ, request for a quotation. And I think the, the value will be demonstrated there. And I think that's why the schedules program is, you know, continues to grow. I think people get too fixated on the the current price, which is a ceiling price for the contract, and has continuously, not almost ignored, but hasn't taken into consideration what the actual value is at the task order level, which which industry will respond uh, to competition. And I think that's that's the key component of the schedules program. I think the more they can they can get to the using of the TDR will allow the visibility of that that pricing to demonstrate to GSA internally. Uh, you know what pricing the the government's actually getting and how much value the scales program is uh, is bringing to government overall. Right, and I think you also get a better insight right on who the customer actually is at the end of the day. Exactly. Who's buying, who's, who's buying what? You have clear information about that and how yeah. to structure things moving forward. But I think the area where you know people you know um, raise questions is when you do do that comparison between a task order competition, um, you know, pricing for a specific definite quantity, 10,000 widgets or whatever, versus um, that's a far different thing than that, you know, the contract level price, which is for a guaranteed minimum of 2,500. And then the opportunity in a certain sense to spend a little bit more money to compete for specific requirements. And 
Yeah. That's where I think people are concerned about conflating the two or, you know, merging them into one, which again would um I think it would hurt the competitive nature of the program over the long term. Yeah, I mean the the, the program, you know, I don't, I don't want to get historical here. The 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 program is set up to enable the government to get as close to becoming a commercial contracting environment as possible within the realms of the FAR, you know, and other policies. And I think the uh, the task order is going to give them for the first time in probably 70 some years, you know, visibility to, to your point, who the customer is, what pricing the customer is getting. And I think, well, GSA should get some enjoyment out of actually seeing that data now. Now the key is going to be not to use task order data to go ahead and, and negotiate uh, new contracts or, or, you know, modifications. That's going to be the temptation. And those requirements are not, until GSA puts a significant guaranteed minimum to a contract, they're, they're not going to get it, nor should they expect to get the same pricing. I think right. they hopefully, hopefully they celebrate what their contract vehicles are offering the government at, at a fair and reasonable price to begin with, and then let the market, uh, you know, do its thing and, and through a competition and the prices, you know, I'll, I'll say, I, I, you know, I guess there's still only one guarantee, but, I, the second guarantee was I can guarantee that prices will go down. They're not going to go above the schedule price. If they do, then then there's that's fraud or something. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we have another problem. But that's not that's not going to be the case, right? Well, it it seems to me that you know the the that that issue of the the pricing. Well, that's why people are like you know the success of BPAs, right? That people are leveraging requirements at the order yeah. level to get you know to enhance competition and get that value. And that's a different, that's different than that, you know, a contract level, you know, government wide vehicle that to your point, I think your biggest thing is doesn't get, you know, the guaranteed minimum is $2,500. So it's a very different thing. And I would say, you know, you can't conflate the two because the regulations don't don't allow you to do that. It talks about when you determine a fair and reasonable price, you have to consider, differing terms and conditions as part of that equation, along with the age of the pricing information as well. Well, and we can go beyond that. I know we're not going to get into it here, but because no one's gotten into it. So we're going to solve. We look at the total cost of acquisition. And so that in of itself, the stream, I use the word streamline, streamlines the acquisition of buying for the customers. And so that's why the customers are migrating to the program. I mean, that's the key here is simplification. And, you know, other entities use within government actually use the schedules program as a benchmark. You know, NASA does it. Other other people do it, and uh, state and local governments use it. California, Texas, both use it. So, the schedules program is a model program, and I think I think the the more you need to you need to continue to update the model. Don't think me wrong, but don't 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 throw out or or significantly change one of the key elements, which is fair and reasonable pricing versus looking at 4P, which is you know, looking at a set set numbers that in, in many cases are not current. And right. that, that that's that's unfair to everybody. Yeah. Well, I would say Fahrenheit versus LPTA under any, yep. cir- you know, regardless yeah. of circumstances. But, um, well, we have about a, uh, two minutes left in this segment. Um, when we've talked about these challenges or these opportunities as well with the data, it's it's all about the care and feeding of the acquisition workforce, right? And I know that's something that you've long championed over your career. 
Um, so, so where would you go with this? Um, you know, that, you know, there's a lot of lots, I think there's a lots of opportunity for education, uh, that could be shared across the FAS enterprise. Well, education is never done. Number one, I guess that's why we have right. universities and schools, right? So, right, right. so, yeah, well, so we'll start and the there. school and the school of life, right? The school of life. <laughs> Sometimes you do graduate from that, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, you do. It's, at some <laughs> point, everybody does, right? <laughs> so anyway, the uh, I think it, just in, in interfacing, GSA has had a significant, uh, to their credit, significant increase in hiring uh, personnel. So, yeah, you know, so I think that hat, hat, you know, hats off to them on their HR side of getting, I think they have direct hiring authority, too, for anybody who wants to be a contracting officer. <laughs> so they can hire you right away. Um, put a plug in for them. But on the other hand, I think when those people come in, they, in fairness to them, they, and whether they come in or not, or they're doing virtual training, maybe that may be something to be addressed as well. But, you know, they, they, they need to get introduced to the program as the program is structured. And, um, and I think give them that, give them that, you know, immersion of this, of the schedules program, the policies and so forth. And, you know, it'd be nice to it'd be nice just to know <laughs> now that there's a single schedule solicitation, how many contracting officers and contracting specialists have actually read the whole solicitation. And I think that that in of itself would give every that'd be a good start just to understand the solicitation, uh, you know, the requirements in there. So they understand what industry is looking at when they're when they want to enter to the federal government. There's a lot there's a lot there. It's just it's just not putting uh, pricing down and listing in items or or describing your services with labor rates, there's a lot more to it that goes into it. And that's not to put a fear in anybody, but to be fair to the contracting officer, they're gonna get offers from small businesses, large businesses, they're gonna have subcontracting plans. And I think a lot of this, what we're seeing is just boiling down to pricing, to be quite honest with you. There's not a discussion about the contract overall and the relationship which is important to have with your contracting officer and in your company. I think they've, they've lost some of that flavor. I think it'd be good to get some of that back. Um, well, <laughs> on that note, Bill, we, we'll, we have to take our last break and then we come back, we can continue this discussion, work for us. Also talk about the program management office and also want to get your takes on the idea of, um, you know, uh, there's been virtual, I guess, uh, training, um, that GSA has done in lieu of the expo. Um, but wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to get an in-person expo back as a huge training event to the, to the point where caring feeding of the acquisition workforce. Um, okay. When my guest today is Bill Gormley, he's the president of the Gormley group and chair of the coalition for government procurement. I'm Roger Waldron and you're listening to off the shelf on federal news network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And uh, Bill, when we took the last break, uh, we were talking about the care and feeding of the acquisition workforce. Um, so what other kind of things do you think need to be done? I think a, a bigger focus on commercial markets and understanding how people go to market and margins and those kind of things would be helpful for, for, for contracting officers generally, as they come in and start working on, on the schedule contracts. Yeah. yeah I mean, the programs that with, for government contracting is, is really exciting for me. It's always been an exciting program. I mean, you're getting, 
disclose the commercial side of life and, and what you what you experience in your personal life is what is what the intent of the schedules program is supposed to host for the federal government to have that exposure. So, but you know, I know we joked about the boiler room earlier, but the con we're in the boiler room. This is where the contracts are made, discussed, and so forth. And it's it's nice to understand, you know, how companies operate. You know, be a little more inquisitive about that. Um, and, and, you know, you, you can separate the, you know, the wheat from the shaft and those, and, and those, uh, discussions if you're contracting on the contracting side, but at least, you know, you're learning what, what it takes to, and what the market's like for that company. And, uh, to me, that's always been intriguing. I think that we, we, but we've seen, you know, regression in that area of, of any type of discussion about the company more so about challenging their their uh, accreditation or pricing or you know they're they're not if they're comparing them to a competitor that is not that is is viewed by a competitor to the government but it's not really a competitor to the company and we've seen uh contracting officers asked to have uh, uh actual commercial item descriptions rewritten because they didn't think they were clear enough and those are the descriptions in, on the internet in the catalog of companies so I mean, I think we're getting kind of off. We're getting off the off course here of, of really what the responsibility is of, of the CEO, and more more on a personal side. So I think that results from a need, the need, or it demonstrates the need for commercial contract training. I think, and more emphasis by the uh, by the program offices at GSA. Roger. Yeah. Well, I don't know. And one thing that you were always a big supporter of when you think about training well there's two things here too first first let me say uh, i would get your thoughts that 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 remote 100 percent remote sort of approach to operations you miss that opportunity to actually meet with you know the contractors face to face and i think that's a huge you know opportunity to really get a better understanding of that company in particular but also just to get a feel for how commercial entities operate is that is that, is that, yeah. you share that I mean, view? Yeah. yeah. And we used to send where well, we had, whether they're large or small, where we're having issues. I, I used to send contract, contracting officers to the company. <laughs> You'd be surprised how fast, that, how fast the negotiation went on that for both sides. So, I mean, that, that's the real life. And that's the exciting part, I think, for, for GSA to be able to do. I'm not saying exactly that, but I think, you know, you, kind of inkled earlier on about the expo. I mean, the expo is a huge training, uh, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a training, you know, conference. And it's both not only for industry, but it's for government. And a lot of contracting officers get a lot out of that. And, and I think they get a lot of feedback from industry regarding that, that training. And that's, you know, people are like, well, we can do all training virtually now. I'm like, yeah, my, you know, that, that's an argument and I'm not going to get in on it. But the last time I looked, colleges do have, you know, students coming to college, it's the, the universities are all shut down. So I think in-person training, there's a significant value to that. And I think for, from a professional um, viewpoint in, in increasing the, you know, the, the status of the CO and, and, the, and the contract specialists is to get out there and interface with their, with their companies that they're awarding contracts to. I mean, that's just, that's part of, part of the job. And I think the expo gives industry and, GSA, but more importantly, the, the customers of both the opportunity to come in and, 
and not only view what's being sold, but understand the scope and understand the, the benefits and what new programs GSA has um, you know, coming forward. Right. You know, I think uh, also when you think about the expo or that kind of training, that, uh, that doesn't bring just bring government industry together. It brings, you know, agency contracting folks from across um, the entire federal government together for that training. I remember um, I used to do sessions at the training sessions and you'd have lots of GSA folks, but you'd have folks from DOD and other agencies who were there, you know, you know, getting procurement training and also meeting with industry as well. Um, which I think that just helps everybody, you know, in terms of you know, understanding your pers- different perspectives and different operating uh, imperatives as well. Um, speaking of operating imperatives, you know, one of the key things in supporting acquisition workforce that I've observed um, recently or over the last few years at FAS is the program management office um, and its role in supporting you know, the contracting workforce and just facilitating, you know, the engagement between government industry and what, what's your impressions of that organization? It's within the office of now it's within the office of enterprise strategy management at FAS, but it's the schedules program management office. Yeah. I, I, I think that some people view it as a conflict of interest, but I think operations and policy should be together because when you bring them together before the policy is implemented, you, you've aired it out and, you, and the same same person, whomever it is, ultimately that's responsible for it, has to decide unintended consequences or what the policy may mean, how much is, how much is it going to put a workload on industries, put an additional workload on on uh, contracting officers or both. But, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, I know you have the hurdles there for those who've been to your conferences. Yeah, yeah, the hurdle poster, of how many hurdles you have to go over. And that was back in 49 or something. And in uh, those hurdles, many of them are still there. And then there's more hurdles and they're getting taller. And I think to me, that's where a program office should be focused on. And we may have talked about this in other sessions, but I think there should be a program office assembly. How can we reduce a lot of what's is exchanged between industry and government in order to get a scheduled contract. Um, TDR, I think, well, is a step towards that direction. But then there's the understanding of what the program objectives are for the for the ultimately the program is not put not put in place for GSA or industries, but to get put in place for the customer. And you know, you know, we're talking many different topics here today, but the expo is really put together for the customer. But it also educates industry and GSA personnel and other government personnel. So I think the program office, to answer your question, the program management office, I, I think should really work on how can we simplify, you know, look at what any additional requirements contain, you know, obviously implement them if they're required by law, but look at other areas that can be simplified more and more. I mean, I think the single schedule contract approaches almost i think it's not 100 percent completed i think they gave up the five years for people at multiple contracts but you know that that's going to be coming you know a completion pretty soon and they should be getting they should be saying what value are we getting out of this but we're not seeing the we're not seeing the length of contract the time to get a contract is not going down and the time to get a modification is not going down so 
that's not sexy stuff because if you're going to say, hey, our sales are going up, but just think how much more sales could go up. <laughs> you look at it that way. And I, so I think that, that those are some key factors, I think, hopefully to give people insight that are listening here, uh, yeah. maybe an, an objective, uh, objective view on how things could be a little better. Right. Well, that's interesting. You know, we, we, you know, ended where we started talking about simplicity and simplification, <laughs> right? So that's, that's good. That's a good way to end the conversation. Um, and we are at the end of the show, Bill. So I want to thank my guest today, Bill Gormley. He's a president of the Gormley Group and chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.